Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse, recording on a Thursday afternoon. It is February 21st here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, thank you all for tuning in to this episode. Um, I usually record on Wednesday afternoons because uh, I only have one class that day and I have really the whole afternoon. I can do stuff. I don't really have anything like scheduled um, that I have to do. Uh, week, you know, like each week. Uh, sometimes I have to cover some like press conferences. I've had to cover a press conference like last Wednesday for WKE basketball, but usually it's a pretty open day. But uh, I decided I was going to hold off on doing it yesterday because of the Duke Carolina. A lot, of, a lot of big basketball being played, and then I think pretty much all of the SEC, ACC, a Big Twelve, and whatnot. They'd be done. Uh, for the week uh, until Saturday, so you get like the full standings. But you know, mainly Duke and Carolina was the game I wanted to hold out for, just just in case anything crazy happened. And that ended up being a very good decision, con- considering what transpired last night. Um, I mean, the topics for this episode. I mean, obviously you have that game, but the the two big ones are the Zion Williamson injury. That's that's number one. We don't have fully full clarity on it, but we have some somewhat of a sense of what is going on with that. Uh, and then we have um, the Reed Travis injury. So two big injuries, back-to-back nights, that are going to have, that, that, I mean, have massive impacts on both the conference races and uh, ter- potentially tournament seating, like the national race. Um, so that's to be considered also, uh, you know, with, with the Zion Williamson, it goes a little deeper. Should he sit out, right? Uh, I guess we'll, we'll touch on that. But a lot of other results... Uh, have come in uh, since, uh, other than those two games, um, because you have the weekend games, right? I mean, Kentucky not only, you know, kind of it's being because now we're about a week week out from it, but Kentucky's beat down in Tennessee. Uh, that's definitely worth mentioning. Indiana's continual spiral down, uh, just brutal. Um, Maryland finally wins a road conf or a a road game against a ranked team, first time in like 15 years. Iowa, uh, th- their luck runs out. The the buzzer beater squad, the team that keeps beating uh, or keeps winning at, right at the end, uh, could not come away with that victory. Uh, and uh, of course, some a bunch of other topics and teams uh, to discuss as well. But uh, we will start with the Zion Williamson. Injury, because I think that's the most uh, pressing matter uh, at this moment. Um, so you know, Duke. I, I forget they who they play. They played North Carolina State over the weekend. Beat them by eighteen at home. It's kind of like a blah game, right? It was it's pretty or sixteen. The, the you know the, it, it was kind of what you figured it would be, and um, so and then you know you got the the first of the uh, two annual uh, Duke Carolina matchups on Wednesday. And uh, at Cameron Indoor is a game I think pretty much everyone picked Duke, right? I mean, I, I did ahead of, ahead of the game. If, or I didn't make an official prediction or anything, but if I was, if someone asked me before the game, I would have picked Duke for sure and maybe by double digits. Uh, Carolina's a good team, a very solid team. Like I said, I, I didn't think they were good last year. I think they're good this year. 
uh, but they do not have the athleticism to necessarily match up with Duke. So I did not think that that was going to uh, end too well for the Tar Heels last night. But the whole game changed about 40 seconds in the matchup. So Zion, he's he's got the ball in front court. He makes uh, kind of, a, I guess, a little spin move. And his shoe gives out completely, and it busts. But his knee, uh, and, and that obviously that circulated quickly. His him just ripping through that uh, that shoe. I don't. It was a Nike shoe. I don't know what kind, uh, but obviously Nike uh, Nike stock has literally dropped uh, just a, just through the night because of uh, the Zion Williamson uh, injury last night. I don't know if that's necessarily what caused it, but uh, it definitely didn't help. So he busted that shoe, but it, and that was the, his left leg where his shoe uh, broke. Um, but then there, it's his right knee is what ended up is what ended up uh, keeping him out the rest of the game. Essentially, he he goes down, he grabs that right knee kind of behind it. Um, he gets off under his own power, walks to the locker room a little gingerly, um, and then shortly thereafter, Duke announces that he's out for the game. He he's not coming back. And you know, for Carolina, they kind they they took big time advantage. Luke May then had a field day, had thirty points, fifteen rebounds. Um, you know, Cameron Johnson had twenty six points. Carolina won a game at Cameron Indoor against that Duke team. By I believe it was seventeen points. Let me get the exact score here. Sixteen points, eighty-eight seventy-two. Won a game at Cameron Indoor against that Duke team by sixteen points. Hit only two threes. Colby White had six turnovers and only nine points. Was brutal from the floor. I mean, that, that's pretty crazy when you think about it. They hit two of twenty threes. Uh, what helped them out is that Duke was. Uh, I believe it was 8 of 39. Yeah, 8 of 39, which is a crisp 20% from three. Um, brutal. Uh, after Zion went out, as far as the game, we'll, I guess we'll just talk about the game here and then we'll talk about the injury itself. Uh, Duke just had no offensive rhythm. Um, let's see, what is that? 60, yeah, 60 of the 72 points came from R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Uh, Barrett scored 25 of his points from the floor on 22 shots, had 8, was 8 of 10 at the line. Cameron Reddish, 10 of 23 from the floor, uh, 3 of 5 from the nine, from line. Whew. Excuse me there. Um, for 27 points, Duke had 20 turnovers to just 9 assists. Barrett and Reddish combined for nine of those 20 turnovers. So I mean, you, you kind of saw Zion gets hurt and no rhythm offensively. And you know, we, back when Trey Jones got hurt, we were all worried about, oh, my goodness, what's Duke going to do if Trey Jones misses significant time? And all they did was win. And he's in, and he comes and he's in this game right and he doesn't he he he's brutal from the floor one of eleven but he gets eight rebounds he gets five assists four steals three turnovers and a block so he actually was pretty good otherwise uh, in the game other than scoring but kind of a shock kind of shocking uh, just how bad the offense was when Zion left and granted he is the best player in the sport the number one overall pick the most dominant player. 
uh, in the sport for a while. Or, or it, since it's been a while since you know probably since Anthony Davis maybe um, trying to think of who I mean Ben Simmons was great but he did not well, he wasn't on a winning team so it's hard to put him in that category as well uh, I, I don't know he, he but he's up there with uh, some of the among the top freshmen in the last decade oh why are you yelling so much my goodness sorry about that people um, but totally just brutal offense from from Duke. Uh, they're again. I, I went on the podcast last week. This podcast, and I said Duke is the heavy favorite to win it all. And you know, let's assume Zion. He, he he's only my again. This is assumption. We don't know this for sure. But just he's only mildly hurt. Right? Maybe he misses the game or two. But he but by tournament time, he's full strength. He's Zion Williamson, right? He's 100%. Um, I still think they are the favorite. Um, this doesn't necessarily change that. Um, but it does give you a little bit of a pause, the fact that if they did win the national championship, they'd be the worst three-point shooting team to ever, percentage-wise, to ever win the national championship. Uh, let's see what they currently shoot from three. It cannot be good. Let's see. Uh, according to ESPN statistics, they're a 30% three-point shooting team. I've dogged on Kentucky, for example, for their inability to shoot the ball. And they're at 36%. They're at 35%, 36%, which isn't great by any means. It's That's average, I'd say. But Duke's at 30 And, that I mean, that's a problem. And it's not that they got to make all of them. It's that they got to make enough of them. That you shoot 39 threes, you better be making 13 of them, you know? And, you know, and I get it. Whenever Zion went out, they kind of, you know, they become easier to defend because they can collapse a little bit because they don't have a lot of shooters. Um, And then you just kind of have to settle for what's most open, which is threes. But even the role guys, right? Like Alex O'Connell build a shooter coming out of high school, right? 0 for 3. Jack White, supposed to be kind of like a, a stretch four. I can't remember the last time he's hit a three-pointer. I mean, he, against Syracuse, he had the one game, where, you know, the, the last game that Duke lost before this one. He went 0 for 10 in that game. was 0 for 5 in this one. Uh, so even the guy, like you bring these dudes off the bench, the specialists, and they can't even shoot. And, it's, you know, that's a problem. Trey Jones isn't like an elite shooter. He's not bad, but he's not elite. Cameron Reddish is probably – you know, outside of O'Connell's probably got the best stroke on the team, but he of the of the players that play, he's the best three point shooter, and and he's got, he, I, mean, I don't know, uh, he hasn't consistently been making threes. I don't know his exact percentage on the year. Well, I guess we can go check that right now, but he hasn't been necessarily uh, great in that aspect either. Let's see, Cameron Reddish, yeah, thirty four percent. R.J. Barrett, thirty three percent. Zion, twenty twenty nine. I mean, they have one guy that is shooting over 35% from three on the year. That's Justin Robinson, and he plays – he's only played in, in uh, 18 of Duke's uh, 26 games – or 16, excuse me. You know, like Jack White's 27%. Alex O'Connell, 34%. That leads the team, 34.6. Cam Reddish second at 30 at 34. Um you know, that, it's going to hurt you. 
And you've seen the game, the, the two best games Duke's played all year against Kentucky and against Virginia, right? They shot the ball super well. Against Kentucky, I think they were 12 of, of uh, 26. That's like 46%. That's a good percentage. Against Virginia, they were like 13 of like 20. They shot like close to 60%, I think. And you saw how the two best games they played all year, they have shot the ball well from three. In, but that's only two games, and they don't do it consistently. I still, again, I still think they're the favorite because they got the three best players on the on the court, maybe four, and they have such a talent advantage compared to everyone else. But they have problems, and if they are shooting like like they did last night, they're very beatable. Because um, Carolina didn't not like they shot they shot the ball worse, right? They were fifty percent from the floor, but they were they were ten percent again, ten of twenty from three. Uh, you know, they had 20 assists on 38 made field goals. Uh, we'll get to the Carolina side of this in just a second. I want to talk about Zion fast. So, again, so Zion diagnosed with a mild, or not diagnosed, excuse me. This is what Mike Krzyzewski said after the game. He said, Zion Williamson has a mild knee sprain. It would be his right knee. And they don't know how long he's out. They, they said the official diagnosis and timetable and all that stuff comes out today. It hasn't come out yet. So I assume tonight. So we'll know by tonight, more than likely, uh, how much time, if any, that he misses. Um, my guess is it did, I mean, it looked like, I mean, it looked like something happened with his knee, but it didn't look like, oh my God, it's season ending kind of a deal. Um, it looks like that he may, he may miss a game or two, but he will be back. He will be healthy. Uh, by the end of the run. But Duke goes to the Carrier Dome. Upcoming. And, you know, again, we'll talk about them. Uh, Syracuse kind of transitioning out of this since that's the night, that's that's who they play, and they played last night. And But they walloped Louisville. They, they've been playing a, bit, a little bit better as of late since getting smacked at home by Florida State. And, they, and remember, they've already beaten them. And now, I mean... They beat them shorthanded once. They can do it again, especially at home. Go to Zion, you know, you, you go to the carry down without Zion. I maybe Syracuse is the favorite, and and a zone team they are, and Duke and Duke, a team that struggles to shoot the ball, kind of plays into that matchup very much. Plays into the hands of Syracuse because the zone buster, which is Zion, which you know crashing the glass and him being able to get in the middle and pass out of it, you don't have that anymore if he does not play. Uh, so that's a difficult matchup. And, you know, has major implications because, I mean, going into this game, I mean, Duke has had a clear advantage on Virginia, right? Same amount of losses as Virginia, but they've beaten them twice. If Duke loses too many more games, because here's the thing with Virginia, they're not going to lose these regular season games. they just not. I mean, they just don't lose in the regular season, except to Duke. <laughs> but, um, I mean, right now Duke is still the one seed overall. I mean, this loss won't take them off that. But two home losses. I mean, in, in one of them coming to an unranked team, if they lose again on uh, on Saturday, uh, you know there could be uh, some shakeup at the top. And you know, so we'll just have to see. But you know, there's been this call to, you know, for Zion to sit the rest of the year, regardless of how hurt he is. And again, I I I don't I'm not a doctor. I don't know for sure. But it really didn't look that serious. Like. He may miss a game or two, but it didn't look like he's done for the year serious. And I mean, you know, I've been wrong before. Again, I'm not a doctor. 
I'm not the one doing the test, but it's what it appeared to me. Um, but there's this call for him to sit the rest of the year regardless because they don't want him to get because people don't want him to get hurt again or, or to seriously hurt his uh, draft stock. Here's why I don't think that's a good answer. Number one, it had he had never played. There's some people that I feel like there's people out there that have said, "Well, Zion would have been number one pick yeah, had he not played." That's not true. It would have been RJ if no games had been played this season. At the beginning, RJ was the number one. RJ's getting leaped by definitely Zion and maybe Jaro Moran. I think the lowest he'll, he'll go is three. Um, but he's been leaped definitely by Zion, without a doubt. Um, but Zion has used Duke, the, the the Duke platform, which, you know, perfectly fine, to elevate his stock. And it it's it is what has got him here. And there's and the way Zion plays, he's going to be an injury risk, kind of the rest of his career. The way he jumps up in the air, kind of his such, you know, and, and you know, with how much, um, how big he is that, and how hard he plays, the wear and tear that's going to put on his legs, he's going to be an injury risk. I mean, he just is. Um, whether it's with Duke or with the Knicks or whatever NBA team that uh, gives him a shot. But I don't think he should stop playing. I don't think he will. I think he's a very competitive player, and I think he wants to win. Um, I don't think he's out there just to put on a show. I mean, that's part of it. But he's there to win. I, I don't think he's just there for it's it's me. I want all the cameras on me. He is there to win basketball games, and I think all of them are. I I, I give credit to Duke. I give credit to that uh, to the staff because three guys with all pretty big egos. You know, between Zion, between RJ, between Cam, I mean, pretty big egos. But they've all kind of put that aside, and they've said we're going to win rather than draft. And, and it's working out for them. They're all going to end up in the top five. RJ may not be, be the top pick, but he's going to be in the top five. And regardless, he's going to make a lot of money. So give, give them credit for that. But, uh, you know, I don't think he should sit um, if he's able to play because, like – I mean, he and, – and how many injuries specific – like a single injury ruins a career this young? I mean, if he's 35 years old, then okay. But, I mean, you're talking about an 18-year-old. Um, like, I mean, Greg Oden, it happened, but that was m- multiple injuries. Derrick Rose, multiple injuries. The dudes that injuries ruin their career, it's not just one specific. And, and we're talking on the court, not like Jay Williams and the motorcycle incident. On the court injury. Um, I, I don't know. It, even if he tore his ACL, he'd be the top pick. I mean, Michael Porter had uh, his back problems are really bad, and he got picked in the lottery. You know, so I, I don't. And, and Zion is you know much better than Michael Porter in my opinion. I mean, again, there's questions to how he translates, whatever. But he's a great player, so I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Well, an injury is going to sink his stock. No, it won't. No, he'll still get picked at worst two. He won't get picked lower than that. And, you know, so I think he should play. And I think uh, – and, and I'm telling you, the NBA wants winners, and you, you go and you win a ter- the tournament. That's going to uh, say a lot about uh, 
about you, you know, you as a character and uh, your character and, and yourself as a player. So uh, I, I think you should play. But that, that's my kind of spiel on that. But they, they will travel to the Carrier Dome on Saturday. That's game day, I believe. Uh, but for Carolina, they're a team – They, I don't get it. They, they lose to Virginia like every year. And I don't understand why. They But they lose to Virginia a lot. Um, but then they play like this. And for Duke – Yes, Zion left, and that changed the game. But, I mean, they lost by 16. They didn't lose by five. I mean, Carolina smacked them. And they kind of, you know, Duke had a couple mini runs, but Carolina kept it at 15 pretty much the whole game and held them off. You know, I don't know. I mean, and also for Carolina, this puts them sneakily in play for a top seed. Or for a one seed, not the top overall seed, but a one seed. Puts them in play for that. So that's real interesting, um, but really good win for Carolina. And to get it in Cameron Indoor, the return game will be at the Dean Dome, obviously. But Zion, it'll be the last game of the year. I assume Zion will be back. I assume we'll be playing. It'll be a different game. But, um, yeah, so it, it'll be uh, an extremely uh, interesting matchup for the for, for Carolina. And Duke, second time around, they will travel. Or they will they will host Florida State at home a, a top a sixteen matchup. Uh, should be a really good game between those two schools. Really good players uh, on the floor for that one. But yeah, Carolina, a team that I've I've been bullish on this year. But after the the Virginia game, I kind of lost a little bit of steam for them. I, I kind of was like, ah, I don't know. Uh, but this was a big win for them. Uh, but a team again, I I like the makeup of their team. They're they're still a little bit inconsistent. They don't, you know, you kind of get different variants. Nas Little still isn't as involved as maybe he probably should be. But a, a really good performance from the Tar Heels uh, in this game, and a big win, a signature win. They've been really good. I think they've only lost what like two games since the beginning of conference play. Yeah. Uh, just the, I mean, the you had you had the home game debacle against Louisville, which that was clearly just they just didn't come to play that game, uh, and then they uh, and then they lost at home to Virginia. So they haven't lost a road a road game in conference, which is really impressive with them being in the ACC. Um. So, like I said, Syracuse. I said I would transition to them. I will keep my promise with that one. Let me find them. Uh, there we go. Syracuse. So they hosted Louisville, and we'll kind of tie Louisville into this too. Uh, but they it crushed them, right? 60, 69-49, had them doubled up midway through the first, never lost the lead from there. Uh, Jim Beheim's son uh, scored 14 points off the bench, played 31 minutes. And I, I'm also just – Side, little side note with with the Bayheim, uh, the, the side story with him and in in the, the car incident. Not going to talk about that because I don't. Number one, I don't know how, all the details with that, so I don't want to make any assumptions. Uh, but obviously, that's a terrible situation. Uh, wish the best of that family, who's of the bystander, but a terrible situation. And hopefully, everything uh, checks out with that. Okay, so, but a terrific game. For uh, Beheim's son, you got Elijah Hughes had uh, 
had 18 points. Tyus Battle only gave him 11. Uh, but the Syracuse Orange 2-3 zone totally stifled Louisville, held under 30% at just 29.5 or 25.9, excuse me, from the floor and 21% from three. Uh, so it looks like Syracuse is starting to play pretty well at the at the right time. Remember, they really struggled early in the season, had the back-to-back losses in what what might have been. I forgot what this was called. Uh, the 2K Empire Classic, that's right, uh, to both Connecticut and Oregon. And then obviously losing to Old Dominion and Buffalo uh, at home was a bad look. And losing at home to Georgia Tech early in conference play. Uh, but then, since then, they've only lost three games. Um, or, excuse me. No, yeah, three games uh, with the only bad one, really, the home game against Florida State. But... Starting to round a bit into form, this was a big win from the Orange to kind of solidify their bid. I'm going to get a drink of water real fast. Uh, I am sorry for the inconvenience. Ah, Thank you all for your patience. Uh, But yeah, they're starting to round a bit. Uh, in, into form, and you know how they are. They they get in the tournament as that ten seed, whatever, and they'll probably they'll be higher than that this year. They'll probably be uh, an eight, maybe even a seven seed if they can if they uh, if they are able to knock off a couple of these teams. They they have opportunities at home against Duke and Virginia, and they go to Carolina and Clemson. So they they got some, which I think I believe those will all be quad quadrant one wins. They're only kind of cupcake game left is at wake so they'll they got some opportunities to continue to raise their stock as far as seating goes um but uh yeah no they've looked uh but uh, like i said round into the form as for louisville whew, it's that duke the duke comeback has totally changed their season um it's clear i mean it's 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 there's no other way, really way way to say it. It kind of started with the the Carolina game, because uh, I mean Louisville's lost four of six. Because uh, remember Louisville's heading into that game, uh, with uh, what were they on a six game win streak, six seven game win streak, home game against Carolina, right? You have a chance to sweep them, and then the, the air gets totally let out of the balloon with with a blowout loss at home. Again, it was only by ten, but it was. It was by more for the most part. Then they go to Virginia Tech and they beat a shorthanded Virginia Tech team, but still won at Virginia Tech. Still a good win against uh, the eleventh ranked Hokies. And then again, the two games after that, Florida State and Duke had both of them. Both of them won. Florida State had ten point second half lead. Duke, obviously, we know how that one transpired. The uh, the twenty three point lead with nine minutes to go. And blowing those games has just taken the air out of their – even if they could have gotten one of those, mainly the Duke game. But, like, losing both of those, having double-digit leads in the second half against top 25 teams and then losing them, brutal. Uh, Clemson they, – they beat Clemson, but barely. Uh, had, gave up three or two shot attempts with three seconds to go, and Louisville was inbounding the ball. Uh, the first shot attempt for Clemson was going in, 
but War came over, blocked it, made a good play on the ball, got it back. Clemson did and threw up kind of kind of a prayer that wasn't really close going. But two shot attempts in three seconds, and they weren't they didn't even have possession of the ball. Pretty crazy stuff. And then it kind of the implosion just happened against Syracuse. They were never really in that game. Uh, a blowout loss. It don't get easier for the Cards at or at home. They're back at home, but against Virginia, a team they have not beaten, I think, in about four years. Literally, that's not an exaggeration. Then Boston College, uh, at Boston College, Notre Dame. That, that's kind of a breather. Then okay, you're you're playing some some poor teams. Then you're at Virginia again. So for Louisville, really, they sh- they should realistically be twenty and seven in their nineteen. They're eighteen and nine. Um, you know, but just brutal for Chris Mack. Um, at least they're going to the tournament. They got that going for them, uh, that because that didn't happen last year. Uh, but it's clear that Duke game has totally taken the uh, the wind out of their sails, and they have just played very very poorly the last two matchups. See if they can get right against the Virginia uh, Cavaliers at home. All right, so now let's talk about the Reed Travis and kind of that whole spiel. We'll we'll start with the game uh, on on uh, on Saturday to tie in Tennessee with that with this as well. Uh, again, I picked Tennessee to win this game because I did I just you know the way Kentucky had been playing, they gave me no reason to pick them. But they really came out and they showed well. The first half was a slugfest. They didn't really make any calls of the officials. Uh, you know, kind of beat. Uh, kind of let, let the teams beat up on each other. Kentucky dominated that first half, but it didn't really show on the scoreboard. Only up by six, and the reason for that was is that Grant Williams, who had hit seven, maybe eight threes coming into the season, hits two in the first half. Um, and then and then Yves Pons, who scores, I think, four points a game, hits a three. And he's not a, th- he's not a shooter. Um Hits a three in the corner. So they get, they get three threes from dudes that you know, don't shoot the ball very well from outside. And then towards the end of the first half, you had a couple offensive rebound opportunities for Tennessee they took advantage of. So that was, I mean, it should have been Kentucky realistically by about 12, but it was Kentucky by six because of those things. I thought Kentucky played really well. Uh, Hagens was shaky early, but he played much better towards the end of the half. You had Keldon Johnson score 11 straight. Uh, P.J. Washington brought it for all 40 minutes. was terrific. Uh, but for the first half, I mean, it, Kentucky was winning, but they should have been winning more because they really dominated the game. But then in the second half, uh, Kentucky totally blew it open. 14-0 run to start the half. Uh, the, Tennessee's the, their their first two buckets of the half didn't come till I think after four minutes, and they were both just lucky tippins from Admiral Schofield. It wasn't really wasn't really any skill. He just kind of threw his hand at the ball, and the ball just happened to, to go in. Uh, so Kentucky totally clamped down. Went on. It, just, it was one of the better runs I've seen Kentucky go on uh, in recent memory, not just for this year, definitely this year going on a 14-0 run. Had Tennessee down by as much as 24. Tennessee, you know, they, they, they made a little push going a you know, 13-0 run. A lot of it was Kentucky kind of giving it to them. Fouled uh, – Fouled Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield behind the three-point line. Tw- or, you know, fouled them both. Uh, that was five points right there. Uh, so, you know, the, Kentucky kind of 
let them have that run, but then Kentucky, you know, the, the, the Cats ended up pulling that game out. Uh, really terrific performance. Was the best performance Kentucky's had all season. Uh, played with a ton of energy. Really, no one really struggled that was in the game. Quickly did a little bit, but not like terribly. Uh, everyone that was in contributed uh, for the most part. Even Jamal Baker uh, had a block. Uh, the, the defense was stifling, but P.J. Washington totally dominated the Tennessee front court. I mean, he was he was pulling up, you know, jump hooks on Admiral, on Grant, on on Fulkerson, on Alexander. I mean, they just couldn't guard him. It didn't matter who it was. Um, True performance from him. But Reed Travis that game, I mean, totally beat up on Williams. Grant Williams had two points inside the paint the entire game. rest of it was threes and free throws. Two points. I mean, that, that's absurd. You're talking about the guy that will probably end up winning SEC Player of the Year had two points in the paint. Uh, that's incredible. Totally beat up on him. Uh, and Kentucky just beat Tennessee in a submission. I mean, they really did. And that was a great performance from uh, the Wildcats. And, you know, as for Tennessee, in, in, you know, we'll talk about them for a, little, for a second. You know, they came out. The next game was against Vandy. I figured they'd just blow them out of the water. And it ended up being a 10-point game. Only I think it was like 58-48. Tennessee not playing. Like I said, I've been saying this for a little bit. Tennessee has not played particularly well in the past month or so. Um, you know, they were really good in December, right? They they, they kind of kept it going into early January. You had the 46-point beatdown of Georgia, played pretty well. But ever since that close game against Alabama, where they should have lost, but they did not, they, they ended up winning that game. Ever since that game, they haven't played well. They just have not. They've had, you know, South Carolina, they won that game by 20-plus, uh, but it took them until about – Midway through the second half to really get a grip on that game. And then, you know, same with uh, West Virginia. Like, I mean, that game, they were down by as much as 11, uh, but but West Virginia's not a very good team, and they ended up winning that game by 18 or 19. So, haven't played particularly well, and they have a big-time matchup coming up against LSU. Uh, Major, major um, implications for the SEC title. Uh, I I don't know who to pick here. Tennessee, I think, is eventually going to wake up. This will be good, though, because, you know, they play like they did the last two games, they will lose. I, there's no doubt about it. But if they play like they have been capable of playing, I think that they have ever, you know, they have a good chance to win. I I just don't know uh, what, what kind what you're going to get from either from really either team. Um We'll talk about LSU real fast, and then then we'll get to Kentucky and or the the Missouri game for that. Uh, LSU played Florida last night, and you know it was a game. You know I, I've seen with with LSU, I've noticed that every single game they play is close. No matter who they play, I mean t- Kentucky game was close, Georgia game was close, and now this game went to overtime and was close. I mean all these games were just really close uh, for. Uh, for LSU, they you know they constantly play. I mean, they've had I think two blowouts I know off the top of my head in conference play. They they blew, they blew out South Carolina and then they blew out uh, Ole Miss. They beat them pretty good. Uh, but other than that, they've all been pretty close. Like uh, the Arkansas game, they lost, uh, which is weird. They LSU is undefeated on the road in conference play, but they have lost now. I think two of their last three at home. Yeah, two of their last three at home. So, interesting stat there. Uh, 
they did not play they didn't play very good defense they didn't rebound the ball particularly well uh, Tremont Waters struggled from the floor Florida's a really good defensive team uh, Florida might have just stamped their their ticket to the tournament they probably need to win maybe one more game but between winning at Alabama that was a bubble matchup and now at LSU those are two really good wins uh, for a team that has been very mediocre this year um, they've had a very good little stretch of one three straight I think uh, and are playing some some of their better basketball at, at a good time of the year to play it. So um, that's that's for Florida. But for LSU, is what I've decided. They're either going to go to the Final Four or they're not going to make it out of the first weekend because they play. Since every game they play is close, you can't win every close game, right? You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. They won the one against Kentucky, but they lost the one against Florida. Uh, they won the one against Mississippi State, but they lost the one against Arkansas. Kind of look at it like that, right? You play that many close games, you're gonna lose them. You're gonna lose one here or there. Um, but you know, so they could win. They could get lucky and win all those close games in the tournament, or they could get it be very unlucky and lose in that first weekend. You just never know. But but with them, with the amount of close games they win, they're gonna be or they play in. They're gonna be, you know, they're gonna be in it. You can count on it. I think I don't see them getting blown out by really anyone in the tournament because they're so athletic and because they're so good at uh, crashing the glass. Um, but they don't shoot the ball well. That they do turn it over a little bit, and they're not a great defensive team. They they force steals, but they're not very good as far as like field goal percentage against, especially inside the arc. So they give, you know, they they got some stuff going for them, and they got some stuff not going for them so much. Uh, so I, I don't know what to make of LSU, really. They're kind of all over the place as far as their results because, I mean, you beat Kentucky at Rupp, right? And then and then you inexplicably lose to a very average Florida team at home. So, I, you know, I don't know what to make of it. That's why this Tennessee, uh, this Tennessee game will be – Tennessee-LSU matchup will be very intriguing uh, and, and one to keep an eye on uh, for Saturday. I think they play at – 11 Central Time, noon Eastern Time. Uh, okay, so Kentucky and Reed Travis. So they played... Um, yeah, they played Missouri on Tuesday. Uh, Kentucky did. And just dominating the first half, right? Like, totally, like, really good half. I think they were up 41 to 23. Uh, it was fairly close with, like, maybe... Six minutes left in the half, and Kentucky just destroyed them on a, on a big time run. Um, really, the only guy that struggled in the first half was Aston Hagens. Ironically, he didn't in the second half, and then the rest of the team did. Um, but yeah, really good half. Uh, you didn't get really much out of Kelly. It was all Tyler Hero and PJ. PJ had 15 first half points. Looked like he was locked to get 20 again. Um, and then Tyler Hero, I believe, had like had 10 to 12, something like that. He he, he shot the ball fairly well. He, he, was, he was playing pretty well. And Kentucky clamped down on defense and so only gave up, I think, two of nine from three. So it was looking like it was going to be a cru- – they were just going to cruise. That's what, it, that's what it looked like. Second half comes around. Missouri hits some threes. They count, you know, Kentucky was able to extend it to 20, and then they get it to fifth. But then Missouri cuts it to 15. Ashton Hagens hit a couple three-pointers, started playing better. After, I think, four first-half turnovers, Cal stuck with them. Had a, had a, had the points right, had the three pointers, had, dished a couple assists, and then 
with, I don't, I forget how much time's remaining. I really do. It's between 10 and 5 minutes left in the game, I think. Something like that. It might have been, you know, 5, it might have been 6, five, you know, 6 to 7 minutes. I don't know, something around there. And Kentucky gets a steal, right? It's Ashton Hagens and Kelton Johnson that get a steal. But they're kind of fumbling around with the ball as they, as they run it up the court. And eventually, you know, Kelton gets it, and he kind of just flails and, and throws up a shot. But Reed Travis has come down from this defensive position to come down to, you know, to, to look to get an offensive board. And, of course, Kelton falls right into his right knee. Um, when it first happened, I was like, you know, I, I remember seeing him kind of getting up gingerly, and then Cal eventually had to call a timeout when they got the ball next, when they finally secured possession. And then uh, was, you know, he had to call a timeout, and then took him out. He went to the locker room, but I had seen the replay, looked at it, and and yeah, his knee bent in, but I had seen that before. Like I feel like Keldon has done that like three times a season. He's been fine, but you know, goes back to the locker room. Like all right, whatever, I'm gonna check on him, and then eventually the report comes out. Okay, he's not coming back with a knee sprain and you know then the the panic kind of ensues right oh my goodness is it is it a knee sprain is it something more serious yada 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 and for like a day you know big blue nation was in limbo and then it came out uh yesterday that he has a mcl sprain a knee sprain like originally thought and he will be out approximately two weeks um that that's big news it's big because he's not missing the rest of the season so for kentucky because for kentucky to win the title realistically this year you probably need Right, like I feel like Nick Richards and EJ are both a year away from really like kind of, you know, busting out. But for this year, you're gonna want the grad transfer. This is why you brought him here for for the tournament, for for the experience, uh, you know, for the size, all that stuff, right? And just know just knowing where to be the, the cerebral, uh, intelligent player out there on the court. So it's big news. Uh, that he's not missing the rest of the season. But for the opponent, the next four opponents that won't have to face him, that's big news for them too. Um, Reed Travis in conference play, his value hasn't been scoring. He has had a few games where he scored the ball pretty well, right? Against Auburn, I think he had like 18, 17 points. He's had a bunch of, you know, 10 to 12ers, and, you know, that, that, that stuff matters. Right against Tennessee at 11, he was making free throws. Um, but not a ton on the score sheet. His biggest impact had been really on the boards and post defense. We've talked about this. Kentucky has become an elite defensive post team due to Reed Travis's presence. He doesn't get bullied off the block. You know, he, he gets rebounds, uh, for, on an offensive end, he keeps offensive rebounds alive. He doesn't always get them, but he tips them. He's really good at tipping them out and, and tipping them to, to, you know, to the, can, to the other guys on the court. So, and then defensive position, you know, he's always in the right place at the right time. He doesn't make, I mean, he, he not that he never turns the ball over, but he doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Um, so, you know, that's, losing him, that's big, but, you know, for Nick, for Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery, here you go. You got, he's out, but you, you know, you all, it's it's all up to you. To, to kind of fill in those minutes. Uh, let me say this for for Kentucky, if they if if those two guys both rebound and defend, and then the guards, because what happened was with Missouri, because PG only had three second half points. You know, Cal kind of took the air out of the ball. K- Kentucky ended up winning, uh, obviously. Uh, they held on. They won an ugly game by eight. 
Um, uh, but PJ was getting double teamed pretty much every time, and so he could, he didn't really have an opportunity to kind of like to kind of get in a put you know to to back a dude down and and, and uh, go up for a hook. He had to he had to pass out of it more times than not. Teams are going to do that, uh, so Nick and EJ have to rebound and defend, and then the guards will have to hit some open shots. And they struggle with that. Remember, that's how they lost against LSU. One of the reasons they lost against LSU, they didn't they didn't make open shots. So, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how they, they do it, but Nick Richards had a really good first half. For him, it's all about it's all about consistency because he has shown the ability to make a very solid impact out there. But you don't because he played a great first half against Missouri, and then the second half wasn't so good. Uh, for EJ, it's all about, you know, he's shown his flashes, but it's about, like, putting it together. He can get himself in good positions, but he doesn't always make the play. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out. Auburn's going to be tough. That's the best team Kentucky will play at home the rest of the season. Like, that's that's a tough game, and, and Auburn's coming off of, you know, they just waxed Arkansas. They had been playing pretty poorly. They had they had not been scoring the ball very well, and then they then they hit what was it thirteen threes had forty five points at halftime. I mean, for Kentucky, the good thing is is that you know Auburn doesn't run its offense through the low post. They, they shoot a lot of threes, but that's got, that means a lot of rebounds you're gonna have to go get, um, and a lot of long rebounds. So the guards gonna. Have to be prepared to rebound. So it's you know it's going to be an interesting match at Rupp Arena. That you know, unlike the last game, last game Reed Travis was healthy. Austin Wiley wasn't. This game, Austin Wiley is uh, is back, and, and Reed Travis is out. So it's going to be an interesting uh, little little matchup. Uh, what happens with that? I think that um, you know it's going to be interesting to see how Bruce Pearl because he he's, he plays ten guys. How he kind of molds his rotation to kind of adjust to to the fact that Kentucky is going to be without um, its biggest and uh, smartest, probably, highest basketball IQ player uh, for that game. Um, as for a return, I, I don't really know. They said two weeks, but Cal tweeted out last night that it was, he was going to be cautious with it. I could see them maybe if he's ready by senior night, day, whatever, they, the last home, the last game, regular season game against Florida. I could see them playing in that game if he's ready, but they ain't gonna play him if he's not ready. So, I'd say that's probably the earliest. I doubt. I doubt he plays. He's not playing these next two games. Tennessee game that'd be a mate. He'd have to get. I mean, maybe he just heals really fast, but I don't see that happening. Uh, we'll talk more about that game uh, next week on next week's podcast, obviously. Uh, we'll have a better feel for his timetable, and we'll we'll know how Kentucky is kind of adjusted without Reed Travis by then. Well, they will have played two games, so we'll just have to see with that. But um, yeah, no, that massive injury news, but back to back days. But for Kentucky, it's a big sigh of relief you're getting him back, right? He'll definitely be back by the end of the season. I'd say the latest he should be ready to go by SEC tournament time because that's in three weeks. I mean that's 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 plenty of time to rest up the the bum knee at the moment uh, and, and to get that thing uh, back and going. Um, big news out of East Lansing this weekend: another injury worth mentioning. So they're already down, Josh. Langford. I'm not going to really talk about their performance. They did win, I believe, at a 
at Wisconsin last Tuesday, but I mean, you know, that was that. Uh, but the um, Nick Ward uh, broken hand on Sunday. They they played Ohio State, uh, beat them by like eighteen, beat them soundly. Uh, and Nick Ward will probably be out for a bit. They're hoping to get him back before they even ruled him out for the season, but they hope to get him back before the 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 season ends. But probably unlikely they'd be getting him back before the NCAA tournament. I mean, just brutal for a team that I thought was a legit national title contender with you know with those guys. You know now it's just like I don't know, I don't know. Uh, they beat Rutgers last night, but it was a struggle. Took them, took them a half, but took them uh, three fourths of the game really to get control of it. Um, so maybe the best, most complete team in the tournament now down two of its best three players. You know, um, <clears throat> so I for Michigan that you know for Tom Izzo that's a brutal loss, um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's. Uh, they're going to have to try to adjust. Kenny Goins, Xavier Tillman, really going to have to step up uh, in the absence of the C- or the junior forward. <coughs> Villanova is not been playing too well right now. Um, lost, I think it's three of four. Yep, three of four. Only win coming at home against Providence. Lost to Marquette by one. That's not too – you don't take a whole lot out of that. Close game against two pretty good teams. But St. John's in, in Georgetown, those are notable. St. John's, they were up by as much as 19 the first half, and they lose that game 71-65. And then at Georgetown they last night, they got beat, I mean, almost wire to wire. Georgetown had a 10-point lead at halftime, and they never really let go of it when that game 85-73. to Um you know, just when you thought that, okay, Jay Wright's team is hitting its stride, uh, you get those results. And it was kind of it was kind of shocking. Um, but it's clear the talent is just not what it was, what it has been for Villanova. Uh, it, it, is, it is more of a rebuild. And, you know, while I think they have the capability of making a Sweet 16, I don't know. It's, it, it, anything past that would kind of be – would kind of be gravy at this point for for the Wildcats. Uh, they they just aren't they, they just aren't the same team. In uh, you know a team that's not a one and done team, it's hard to replace guys that uh, that go pro early. So I think they're kind of, Jay Rice kind of feeling the effects of that. But um, yeah, Villanova. I, I would you know it'll it'll be interesting. We'll see how they play. Uh, don't let's see the next game they play. I don't know. Off the top of my head, obviously, um, they play at Xavier, who just beat Seton Hall, a team that had been playing pretty well. Um, so we'll see how they play against Xavier and whether or not you know if, if they're going to be ranked. Um, yeah, like I said, Seton Hall lost to Xavier just as they were playing their way off the bubble and pretty firmly into tournament play. They lose that game. Really, three losses for them have killed them. That game at home against Xavier, maybe the worst team in the big in the Big East, and then the sweep against DePaul. You take those out, 
They're they're a, only a seven loss team. They're pro they're they're right up there in the Big East race. Uh, you know they have the wins against Kentucky, the road win against Maryland. They're gonna help them a bunch. Uh, they've beaten St. John's, but man oh man, I'm sure Kevin Willard would like to take back some of those bad losses they they had against DePaul and and last night losing by one. 70 to 69 against uh, the Xavier Musketeers. Nevada, sixth ranked team in the country. They kind of been cruising along, hadn't lost for about a month or for for a couple months, and then last night happened. Shot 33 percent and 28 from three in a 65 to to 57 loss against San Diego State, a team that is not very good this year. Um, for Nevada. You know their seeding is not going to be pretty in the tournament. It may be close to what it was last year. They were a seven last year. If they lose again, uh, it could be a seven. I mean, I think if they win out, they'll end up with no worse than a four or five. That's pro- I think that's probably what it'll end up being around that range. But if they if they lose uh, any more, because they have zero quadrant one wins, their best win being against Arizona State at the Staples Center, and that was back in December. Um, they, they they fluffed it in non-conference because they, well, Grant, they scheduled a bunch of Pac-12 teams, right? The Pac-12 was supposed to be a little bit better than it was last year, and it's a lot worse than it was last year. So um, those Pac-12 games against Utah, against Arizona State, against, um, I believe who else was on there, USC, you know, looked good probably before the season started, and now, after the fact, those wins just don't really uh, amount to a whole lot. So uh, that's why uh, you're seeing you know, the Wolfpack's seeding is going to really hurt. I mean, they'll, they'll get in the tournament. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll be fine. They've won a lot of games, but uh, you're, you're going to start seeing their seeding dropping a little bit uh, as a result. Uh, just when you think the, you understand the Big 12, you don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Like Iowa State has now lost two home games in their last four. Yeah, last four. no, three. They've lost two of the last three, two straight home games against TCU and Baylor. Two, you know, TCU is you know kind of playing their way off the bubble or right into into the bubble. Excuse me, and then Baylor who. Who you know they're they're fine. They've been I guess they've overachieved a little bit, but they're not very good. Uh, I mean Kansas is just hanging around there. But then they went around or then they you know they beat Kansas State on the road. So it's like what are you getting out of the Cyclones? You don't know. Again, that was my pick to kind of take over. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, Kansas State still has to go to Kansas. Uh, upcoming this weekend is Texas Tech and Kansas. That's going to be a fun game. Uh, in Lubbock, that one could end up being, uh, if Kansas wins it, you're going to point to that game as being the reason that they are, um, uh, that they win, if they, if they win it this year, that's going to be the game, uh, and Kansas State, Dean Wade gets hurt again, you just have to wonder, he gets hurt a lot, he was hurt in the tournament last year, was hurt earlier this year, they get him back, hurt again, that happened against Iowa State, um, is he ever going to get healthy, I mean, who, who knows, uh, for, Kansas State, but the Big 12 just continuing to be wide open uh, heading into March. Um, 
Let's see. I guess we can preview some games coming up. Talk about uh, Michigan at Minnesota. Uh, that should be a really good game. The first one was a classic, remember? Uh, Charles Matthews hits the game-winning jumper with like a second left <clears throat> uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, it's Minnesota looking, you know, just destroyed Indiana on on Sunday. Looking for revenge because they had that game won. Uh or, well, they had a very good opportunity to win that game, I'll say. Um, but they did not, or they cannot finish it off. They will get their shot at Michigan. Michigan uh, just won it, just beat Maryland at home. Continuing to kind of do their thing. They lost at Penn State. It's a pretty bad loss. <coughs> it's only three losses on the year. They're still, uh, they're still cruising right along. Um, but John Beeline's going to need to figure out how to how how to get this team scoring the ball better. Uh, they, they need to they need to be able to make some shots uh, because if they don't, they you know it's just going it's hard for me to see them getting too far in the tournament if they're not going to be able to, to make shots because like I said, they're not going to get a path like they got last year. They're going to have to play uh, a single di- digit seed or uh, they're going to have to play uh, a five you know a five or up seed uh, eventually. So. Um, within the region, so we'll see how uh, that transpires. But you know, this is a big opportunity. If they're able to win this game, it'll be a, it'll be a good win, a quadrant one win for the uh, Wolverines. And then Gonzaga continues to rip through the WCC. They have Pepperdine at home. <coughs> Gonzaga is not losing a game until the tournament. <coughs> Excuse me. Good thing there's only three minutes left. Starting to cough again, but um, yeah, Gonzaga just an absolutely—they're absolutely terrific. I, I watched uh, them against San Diego. They didn't really play well in that game. And definitely not in the first half. It was tied at thirty, but they just ripped them up in the second. Rui Hashimura had a monster game. I think he had a double double twenty twenty two and like ten maybe. Uh, was really good, but they totally suffocated him. Uh, you know, I, I get that Gonzaga hasn't played anyone for two months, and I totally I get that. And they're going to have to adjust to that, and, that, and that's difficult for, for Mark Few. It's a blessing and a curse. A blessing because, man, you're not really you, – you don't have a whole lot of uh, threats to lose. But for the tournament time, you know, all of a sudden, boom, you're playing, playing these Power 5 teams. You're going to have to adjust. But this isn't like – they don't just have – they're not just like a good basketball team that, that run a good system. Like th- these, this team has some dudes, some athletes, some NBA athletes, some guys that can play, that can play start and, and dominate for Power 5 teams. So that's why I just think – I think highly of the Zags. And I think that them and Duke are, you know, they're up there. Uh, you know, and if Zion's out, then I might put Gonzaga, you know, depending maybe Kentucky. But Kentucky and Gonzaga would be my definitely one too. Uh, if Zion were to miss significant time. Uh, f- but, uh, again, we will not know that for now. But, yeah, Gonzaga, true team. They know how to put the ball in the cup. I mean, they, they they are a great, great offensive team, and they have some dudes in the low post that can protect the rim as well. Saturday, uh, ripping just through some games. Auburn, Kentucky, again, how does Kentucky adjust without Reed Travis? Virginia goes to Louisville. Uh, Virginia – you know, trying to get back to the, that number one overall seed potentially, and then Louisville trying to figure out, um, trying to find itself uh, coming off that bad that 
a beating against Syracuse, Tennessee at LSU. A lot, <coughs> a lot of good ones early. I, Iowa State at TCU. Uh, the Cyclones looking for revenge. Carolina, Florida State should be a really good game. And then Duke and Syracuse is obviously game day. All right, thank you all for for listening to the Posting Up podcast again. Please subscribe, or rate, leave a rating, a comment, and let me know what I can do better. Uh, but again, thank you all for listening. Uh, have a good week. And in, in tournament time, I mean, conference tournaments are what three weeks away. I'll be in Frisco, Texas. Probably won't be able to do a podcast that week, but we'll see. Maybe I can swing it. <coughs> Excuse me. But thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the Posting Up podcast with your host Alex Jesse. Have a good week. <laughs>